Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. So here we are today, Charlie, you and me, unsupervised. Unsupervised. All bets are off. What's the phrase, uh, the, uh, when, they, when they run? When the, when the when the cat's out of the garage, the, the kids will run and play or something. The mice will run and play. <laughs> totally massacred that. Yeah. So today we're talking about, um, I summed it up in our pre-show meeting of, um, you don't know how much it costs to do the thing until you do the thing. Um, yeah. I had a customer just tell me this morning about a story where he's integrating a, um, a distillery who purchased a, a hammer mill from Germany. Uh, I believe they're distilling um, whiskey. And uh, so they use a hammer mill to crush the grain, right? Because you increase surface area to improve the uh, distillation of said alcohol from grain. Sure. I'm not the alcohol guy. You you know more about that topic than I do. I mean, I consume it, but I don't. I'm not super... Uh fluent on the making of it but yes i'm assuming we dump the grain in we squish it flat and uh probably helps with absorption and all the other yeah, magic right yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so uh so they they get on the phone with the hammer mill guy over in germany and they're like hey man we bought your hammer mill and he's like yep and uh we tested it before we uh we shipped it to you and he's like yeah we got your hammer mill uh the, the the gear motor was shipped loose. The speed sensor wasn't on the gear motor. The VFD was loose. So the, the piece that to drive the gear motor, which drove the hammer mill, where it was it was all Legoed out, right? Yeah. With minimal instruction. And the German I I wish I had a German accent, but the German's like, Hey man, we tested it. It's good to go. You should be no problems. And uh, the the uh, distillery is like, um, there's there's no manual. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. I got an eleven year old who can build the uh, you know the adult level Lego thing, and I'm sure there's a four year old that can do the same thing. But they they're just opening bags that are numbered one, two, three, four, and then they're following instructions. And apparently, there's a disconnect in German expectations. And it's expectations in South Dakota about how a hammer mill should show up ready to go. And I understand moments of inertia are, are terrible when you have you know, gear motors hanging off the side of a hammer mill. Well, but, and I'm assuming, and I just went up to uh, the website here is meadowsmills.com uh, from North Wilkesboro, and they make hammer mills. I'm assuming it's a hot rotted. King Kong version of this thing. Yeah, totally. So it's got a motor with a gearbox and a pulley. Yeah. Generally, they're gravity fed. You drop your grain in, it beats the heck yep. out of it. Got a big hopper right here. Yeah. And then it, it, shoots, the it shoots it out of bottom. You auger it over to another place and, and then you pour a bunch of water over it. And I'm sure then it gets really hot. And Sure. Isn't that how you make alcohol? Yeah. Usually you let it sit in the water and steep and... Yeah. I mean, I've... It's it's a I'm, it's a friend of kombucha, and I'm a fan fan of that. Right, yeah. right, yeah. I mean, so what's weird about that it, in in the story? 
Normally, my experience is the inverse of that. What do you mean? You deliver something that's if you buy a machine from Germany, not only does it come like Swiss watch bolted and and wired together and like Loctite and all the other magic, and it's packed in self-expanding foam. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the manual's five hundred pages for an on-off button, right? Roger. Yeah, that's the you. Usual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the inverse would be the cowboys here in the US that go, I don't know, it's only got four wires. What do you mean there's a problem? Yeah, you just yeah. plug it in, yeah, right? Yeah. That's uh that that's super wild. Yeah, so Tony, you know Tony. Um yeah. Tony was uh left with having to, you know, span the gap between integrator, customer, uh machine builder, the hammer mill Germans, and then the local electrician. Sure. You know, and, and, and they're all kind of pointing the finger at Tony because Tony's the one as the integrator who's actually making it all work. And they're like, well, you know, it, it almost becomes like any other relationship. If you don't have established boundaries, you're going to have some conflicts. Right. Expectations are going to be missed. Well, and that kind of gets back to the theme, which is the how much does it thing. cost and how yeah. and what is the true cost of ownership, right? And and also a little bit, I think we should we should tease out some of that. And this is the uh, the, the the cowboy project engineer in me that quiv- you know shakes a little bit every time this word comes up. But documentation, mm-hmm. and I think it starts. And it used to be painful for me, but a spec document. Well, and having having as simple as simple as hey, here's my control solution, and inside of it is a schematic. Uh-huh. Now, same, same, same uh, friend, colleague, uh, integrator, Tony, tells me about a panel that he went and had to inspect last week. I chatted him up about, and uh, he goes, "Yeah, it it worked after we went down and rewired ninety percent of what they had unwired." So, like, uh-huh. that's the thing. Like, if if people don't understand something, and he, you know, it's not like Tony shipped out something that wasn't documented. I mean. That's part right. of the game. I mean, right. He delivers a complete UL listed panel with a schematic, just like any other 508 shop would. And he does great work. Right? Does great I mean, work. Yeah. It takes pride in his work. It's great. However, when somebody buys that equipment, it becomes theirs. And that's the part of the total cost of ownership piece, right? Right. And that's what the manual should enable you to do. Because we, we both know many customers that have bought equipment and found new ways to apply it ways to optimize it, um, ways to adapt it. You know, like, oh, we we only make plasma generators to cut steel. Right. We don't make plasma <laughs> generators to, to do dry, other stuff. dry other things. That, right. Why would you want to do that? Right, right. Well, it, and it's, it's weird, too, to think about how that language works, right? Because, and you and I, in a past life, have worked on things together. Yes. Where... I've written some code or drawn a screen and you've looked at it and gone, oh, that that's not really what I was hoping, right? No, but you've also said to me, like, if I come to you and I draw you a picture of what I think it should be, right. it's easier to get to the destination together. With, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, there's a disconnect in that with a lot of people, right? I mean, it's... It, words are one thing, right? So if I look back at old spec docs, words are great, mm-hmm. and that gets you part of the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, pictures are better, right? Mm-hmm. A picture's worth a thousand words or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. 
But now I think too, and this is something that we're, uh, you know, we're looking at for just in general across the board as a sales tool, but what if I can give you a video or an emulation or a simulation, right? So it, it kind of furthers out that, that spec document into something you can see and do and, and, and play with, right? So I think, uh, I think that's the way it's going, but it also helps frame up as you're executing what is the actual cost, right? Kind of that scope creep and, and really buttoning up and defining where that scope is. Correct. And then there's the cost of deployment and then there's the cost of operation. Right. Which uh, we've talked about this and I'm just saying punt, let's go. Um, I've got this thing, as you know, called Watt Window. Yeah. And I've come to find that people are very keen on the capital costs of a hammer mill, for instance, if we can keep it going. Yep. But at the end of the day, they install the hammer mill. They bought it for, let's just call it a round number of $100,000 to the Germans. And it gets installed, integrated, call it 150, and now it's running. Mm-hmm. And then what? Your maintenance and repair budget, your utility bill at the end of the month, those are your costs. And you don't have a way to attribute the use of that hammer mill to if you're making whiskey and let's say you're making vodka, right? And I'm assuming those are two different grains or two, two different types yeah. of things. Let's say going the, into the, we it. got potato vodka and we got whiskeys from rye, corn, 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 rye. corn. There you go. Could mean Jeez Louise. <laughs> Amateur Maybe we should change here. the, uh, <laughs> so we're going to make some Twinkies. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the excite. That's the example I've used the most. Um, You've got Justin's third-party bakery. Yeah. And uh, Sarah comes in and says, hey, I want 100 pounds of my shortbread mix mixed every month. And, you know, up until you met Sarah and Watt Window came along, you would just pay your utility bill $10,000 a month. Uh-huh. But if you're making Sarah's shortbread cookies 100 pounds of that and then on your 150-pound mixer, and then you got uh, Tara shows up with her hippy-dippy mix, uh-huh. and it's full of molasses and uh, honey and flaxseed and pick seven other ingredients. The point is, is Tara X the current to yeah, run this yeah, thing. Right? Cause Tara has 10 ingredients and Sarah has four. Right. Well, and then it takes that much more work out of the same head mixer. And it also runs longer, right? Because the spec of Tara says, I want it to look like this viscosity or I want it to appear this well mixed. Sure. Because I want, the, I don't want the flaxseeds to only be in the first four cookies. Right now, I meet people who I pitch Watt Window to, and I ask them, how much to make your cookies? And they look at me and they go, I don't know, but I know we're making money. And a lot of cookies. Correct. Lots. And I think that's unreasonable. I think it's 2022. I think you should know how much it costs to make Sarah's batch versus Tara's batch. And I've surrounded myself with some really talented people, and we've made this product, and we're going to market with it, and it's a lot of fun. But to your point, and the whole reason why I brought this up, you got the cost of that capital expense. But then you have your operation. And at the end of the day, you don't even care if I do tell you how much it costs to do Sarah's batch versus Tara's batch. And you can mark that margin. You can really understand your profit margin on each order. You don't even care. Because what do you really care about? You care about... If May of 2022, you ran the same amount of business, you shipped 
you know, $75,000 in cookies. And the last, the last two Mays, you also shipped $75,000 in cookies. But this May, 2022, you used 15% less energy. And therefore, you made more money. And why did you, why did you, how did you ship the same amount of product with less energy? Well, we told you to not turn on Mixer A because you turned on Mixer Z prior to that. And we said, hey, man, wait eight more minutes. Sure, sure. Lowered your continuous inrush profile to the utility, which then your inrush profile to the utility, which then lowers your continuous operating rate, right? And that's where real savings comes out. Yes, it, it helps to provide people with the resolution to know how much it costs to process order A versus order B. But at the end of the day, the people that I've talked to so far really don't care about those reports. The one report they care about is the utility bill. Today. Yeah. And I think some of that may be your target audience, but I think as we peel this one back a little bit, let's talk about a a machine shop, job shop, right? So if I'm going to go and say, I I need a, I don't know, I need a widget cut, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go make a car tomorrow. So I need some. Yep. I need a weldment created. <clears throat> yep. yep. I need some stuff. Um, I think there, the accounting, at least for things like machine time and toolware, are kind of baked into that, right? It's part of that. Well, it, it, and even fab shops like the ones I've worked with, they I asked them this, and they're like, yeah, you know, that laser only cost me 100 amps. Sure. And I just use what the manual says it is. It's it's you know it's 100 amps. If you're running it for an hour, it's this many kW per hour. And I calculate that I pay you know this much to the utility. So boom, I'm good. Sure, sure. But if you have two of them, and they both cost you 100 amps at 480 volt, well then, why not you turn on the second one? 15 minutes and one second after you started the first one every time and save money period. Yeah. Or if you're not able to do that, can you do some sort of power conditioning on the front end? Right. Maybe totally. it's some sort of a super capacitors. Yeah. P- pick your poison. Right. But that that's it. Right. Cause that mm-hmm. would, and, and I think too, the other piece that boils into that, having that intelligence and I've talked about this on, you know, common bus servo systems, but having that intelligence to be able to smooth things out, get the ride out, it it lets you lessen some of that upfront infrastructure too, right? So I think about, and this is true in servos, can I put a smaller breaker in front of this whole system if I'm not drawing 100% capacity all the time, right? Eventually I regen somewhere. What did servos run on? I don't even know. I don't play with servos. Uh, typically, well, a like lot of... 480 VDC? Or 480, AC? and then it's stepped up to... Uh, it's, it's converted to like 660 DC. It runs um, 660 DC. So we can... Is there a common bus that we can feed? Yeah, so we take that 480 in. We convert it to DC. We like run that common v- bus. Like you'd use on a regular AC VFD motor control scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's exactly that, except instead of it being a one to one to one, you know, input DC and then output. Yeah, it's a input AC DC that's 
bust across with common, yep. you know, bus yep. bar effectively. Yep. yep. And then we chop that out into the individual motors. Yep. But right? the motors are running DC. Uh, I mean, they're, they're AC rated motors, but it's a variable frequency, right? It's a servo. Yep. Um, yes is the answer. Yeah. No, the no is the answer. It's an AC motor that you're, you're DC controlling. So you're still simulating AC on the way out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Perm- it's like a Tesla. Yeah. Sure. Got it. Yeah. 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 Um, just riding the wave, right? Push, pushing magnets. Yep. Um, but when you size those things, you make all the assumptions based on things like motion profiles, right? So mm-hmm. you know, hey, in a given clock cycle of my machine, I'm going to see this one go up while this one goes down, and then these two are going to go left and right at the same time and stop. And and so you can kind of balance that out, and, and that's what you can do. So when you size your your AC to DC rectification stuff, mm-hmm. you don't have to size it for what if I hit all of these at 100% right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that, if we went back to like a utility room and a manufacturer. Oh, I'll screw it up a little bit more mill, though. Right? Yeah, I, go for it. Uh, I say I say you don't do anything but AC, recti- AC to DC rectification. Okay. I say you... Uh, a- you seek out as many forms of DC power as you can. Why? Bring in solar. Don't do the conversion. Bring in super caps. AC power comes in. Convert it automatically always to DC. Run the common DC bus. Run everything off DC. Diode your auxiliary points of power. If the AC you lose and you have generator behind it, you have ride through with the super caps. If the solar is bright and you're running, why convert the solar from DC to AC back to DC? Just go DC to DC. So solar goes primary is your primary source and you never run a battery pack because you're always consuming power in this industrial process. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're making free delay bags. Sure. Right? That thing runs 23 hours a day? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So the whole thing should just be DC. Fill, a, fill the whole roof of solar panels and take that solar in as DC. At most, you have a DC to DC converter versus, what is it, 18% on the low end as far as the conversion from solar DC to AC in your house? Yeah, I mean, it's we, we just did this math when we talked about electric vehicles, right? Correct. So, yeah, that's yeah. exactly where we were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so eliminate that and let's, let's, let's totally require lower without even limiting. Maybe yeah, your point is even further optimization, right? Your point is at the point of control, start these five motors up in this sequence so that we designed the design the machine, right? In terms of efficiency versus performance, right? That's the trade-off. Uh, it can be the trade-off. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but right-sizing it, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. But if everything is DC'd and you have multiple points of power from DC, then you basically, you create this, this pool of energy. And because you have deployed that energy with the same, the lowest common denominator of, of everything is on the same type of power to direct current. And you, you've optimized it right 
obviously we're giving up trans the 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 AC to DC con- rectifier piece. We're giving up that. Um, we're giving up that efficiency. That's that's a heat loss. There's been some new technology that was just talked about in Engadget this uh, this week though about capturing that heat, which will be an exciting thing. But you could then even take that heat and drop that into DC. So the point is, is by going to the common denominator of DC voltage and running your machine on that idea. In my opinion, we should take the requirements of California of the solar panels and say, hey, you should run a DC loop in your house and just have, you know, at least USB-Cs in your house. And if you could get the refrigerator on a DC loop and you still had backup power in terms of if you run, if it's a cloudy day or your battery pack isn't available or you don't have AC coming into the house, you could still have an you have the ability to have your refrigerator run off that as well, but you could, in my opinion, run all the refrigerators on solo on solar. When and I'm, I'm frantically googling over here, but wasn't that Tesla's original power generation and use concept? Was everything was going to be DC? Which Tesla? Modern Tesla or no, Nikola? Nikola. I need to read more on it, more on him. But yeah, I mean, I feel like we've done this experiment, and there was kind of. You know, the, the VHS Betamax debate over AC and DC. Well, so, I mean, the, the, it boils down to AC is awesome for transmission, right? All the AC lines, you know, even the ones outside your house here, are running at 4160 or even up to 13,000 volts, right? Because transmission at high voltage is, is most uh, efficient, mm-hmm. okay? But when you have the proximity of local solar generation, solar cells are now up over 30%. Oh, right. right. It, it may be time to reevaluate it's the time source to reevaluate because, because evolved. Because the, the transmission of the power from the solar cells, this whole concept only works on local generation of power. Local generation of power in the form of solar cells should not be converted from DC to AC, in my opinion. Sure. It should go directly to DC and stay DC. And by doing that, direct current, if everybody's annoyed with me saying DC a hundred times. <laughs> but by doing that, we have to then manage our load types so that they can accept that DC and we can take advantage of this optimization. And then you'll actually see a drop in demand of the grid because people's primary loads. We all live in a great society where we get access to cheap refrigeration and refrigeration of food is one of the things that, you know, helped us move on from the, the old West days. Right. Having to go to the bread maker every day kind of a thing. Exactly. Right. So everybody, the majority of us all have, are fortunate enough to have one, if not many, refrigeration units in our house. And I think they should run on DC. So I found it. Go ahead. Thomas Edison was the father of DC. Yeah. And Tesla found AC. Yeah. Some of the drawbacks... Being it's all able to transmission. Step, transmission, but also stepping up and down voltages is easier in AC than it is in DC. Correct. And motor control with AC is far superior. Case in point, there's AC motors in every Tesla and, and arguably any other uh, EV. Right, right. So interesting just seeing the history, right? So this was a topic. Um, we, we figured out a way, but you're right. Now that we, we've moved forward, the only we adva- have- yeah, we need to take advantage of the uh, efficiency and the proximity of everybody has this known load. Like I think it's 
10 to 20 amps, depending on the size of your refrigeration unit. Sure. Okay. And if they made compressors that allowed for a DC connection and you had an AC to DC rectifier next to it with diodes on it that leveraged, if you have solar, then buy this compressor, right? Yeah. Or let's make a refrigerator. Let's just take a refrigerator out of an RV market and put it into the house. Yeah, why not, right? I mean, mm-hmm. We, we, we have already solved this for boats and RVs. Correct, right? correct. Yeah. I mean, that's your goal, right? Live yeah. on the St. Croix? That's it. Yeah. That's so it. you will have a DC refrigerator on there. Right. After this conversation. Yeah. And you will have your own solar panels. They'll be hanging out. I got to believe they're doing this in the space station. DC utilities? Assuming they're using refrigeration up there. Uh, there has to be refrigeration. I know. mean, you got space. Well. This is pretty cold. Well, but then there's got to be heat. Yeah. And you're not burned. You get the sun. But what if you're on the wrong side of the earth? Happens. Happens. <laughs> <laughs> the 11-year-old was updating me today about the space station. Apparently, it's uh, coming down here in the next... Two to five years. The ISS electrical system uses solar cells to directly convert sunlight to electricity. Yes, but what type? Are they going to share? <coughs> is the schematic available? Uh, 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 it is our tax dollars uh, at work, right? Uh, 33,000 solar arrays, 8 centimeters square, 31 kilowatts of direct current there power. Batteries, there's batteries. DC, it's all DC. Power management and distribution. It's all DC. Well, how many motors are up there? They don't have any motors. It's not like they got to have a fan. It appears that it is D- yeah, in here, DC to DC conversion, thermal control. Yeah. The space station seems to, based on Wikipedia, absolutely yeah. run yeah. on DC. Exactly. So I'm not, I'm not brilliant. All I'm saying, all I'm calling for <laughs> is... We need to take what we learned for the last 25 years, 17,000 miles up in the air. We need to bring it down here because if you, California, are going to require all new construction, I believe the regulation is, on uh, both commercial and residential, must have the provision for or include solar power generation over the, you know, the entire roof of the new Target in Bakersfield. Sure. Right? Which, duh. So, like, that's the question. Why doesn't the target engineers say, hey, we're going to change specification. We're going to run all of our refrigeration off DC and then have an AC to DC uh, rectifier in case that it's a cloudy day. I think or it's they, the... Or they exceed, right? Right. They exceed... The draw. The draw of, of available. Because everybody's like, you know, the, the, the thing that bothers me the most about people that are proclaiming, yeah, we gotta, everybody's got to have solar and, and if you don't use it all, it just goes back on the grid. Stupid. Stupid. The, the majority of the people in an urban environment who put solar on the roof aren't going to exceed the draw if you include direct. Like, that thing is always... I can hear yours running right now. Oh, yeah. it. Yeah, let, let's call it... And I don't know. I've never timed it or measured it because... But it's three... I'm, what is it? Like 330 watts right? per square meter? I think sure. is the number that Musk threw out uh, sure. a couple years back which is a fun little number to follow, Yeah. right? So we can back into this pretty easily, right? Your refrigerator runs on 120 VAC. Mm-hmm. It's, let's just call it, be, let's, be, let's be kind and call it 10 amps. Sure. 
So we're at 120 watts or 1200 watts. Yep. So then we're doing, we need, we need three, let's just call it three and a half square meters. Yep. Which is 10 square feet or 10 by 10, right? Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. That's not a giant roof. No. Just to run the fridge. Just to run the fridge. Right. Well, but, and, and but, that's the but you yeah. gotta you gotta run it in the evening, right? That's what everybody's saying. Right. So you need caps. So we got we need caps or batteries, right? So then we gotta figure out our battery pack, and that's the rub. Yeah, I mean, I. But what if I run it all day long on my solar system and I I buy I buy Excel power for the other twelve hours? I, I think that's totally legit, and I've got a I've got a buddy at work who. Uh, did this with his hot water. And I didn't know this was even a thing, but he has a oh, crazy high-efficiency water heater. Which is actually another way of storing energy. Right. And he runs, and, and it's got to be big, right? Let's just pretend it's 100 gallons. I don't know how big. Sure. doesn't matter. Big enough for four or five people to take showers every day plus run the dishwasher. Yep. This thing heats off-peak. Perfect. Middle of the night. So when no one else is using power... Yeah. And at the same levels, right? Yeah. It does its heating. And because it's made out of ceramics and other magic, it's able to keep that water hot enough. I really love all day construction. Think about that, right? For sure. It's great. I mean, obviously air is the best insulator, but if you have two, if you have a ceramic vessel inside of a steel vessel. Yeah. I mean, that would be the ticket, right? And then run a DC center feed heating element right to in the middle of the ceramic vessel. Yeah. Yeah. And then have a two-inch air gap that's insulated around it with steel on the outside. Yeah, it'd be the best thermos ever. Yeah, I mean, hey, Yeti, let's get, let's get <laughs> right, real. Right, let's, let's fix this thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the premise, right? And so they pay a lower utility bill because they're running it off-peak. And it's so it's got its own meter, right? But it's and AC. So it's, Heat, right? Yeah, but that doesn't... Uh, I'm just trying to say, like, we have a precedence for doing this already today. 100%. Right? Like... Yep. And, and why not why not put your battery on a trickle charge at night or there's ways to get around this sort of a thing Correct. you're right and, Correct. and and I think too even if you can baby step the offset of the grid if you've got the space why not yeah my uh my solar installing friend tells me that I can get solar put on my roof and just roll it right into my mortgage under my property taxes. Okay. And I'm like, hmm, if I do that, then I build my own battery bank, which I have friends that help me do that. Yeah. Then I just kill my power, but my power bill is only $120. Well, so there's the rub, right? And, and I've done this math with, uh, with windows, right? So I've got one, two, let's call it a dozen windows. There's not a lot. No. Couple of common walls here at Camp Garski. And uh and I'm like, man, I could replace the windows, right? And the rub is again, I think my gas and electric both are let's call it a hundred bucks each, right? Mm-hmm. Seasonally they 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 offset each other whether Correct. they're heating versus cooling. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. All in your two fifty. Call yeah, it. call yeah. it an even two fifty. And if I spent thousands of dollars to fix this. I could offset my energy bill by $5 a month. 
And I'm like, okay, so in a hundred years, I've paid for my windows. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. And the same thing with, uh, with like the high efficiency furnaces here, right? Mm-hmm. It gets really cold. And I, I had my furnace replaced a couple of years ago. I think it was 2,500 bucks for the furnace, right? Not a big deal. Not a huge furnace. Prices increased, by the way. I can only imagine it has doubly right now. Um, but the guy's like, well, do you want the super duper, whatever the high, you know, high, high efficiency? I'm like, I don't know. How much is that? He's like, well, like 6,000 bucks. Like, well, how much is that going to save me? He's like, 8%. And I went, sure don't. Yeah. You can keep that one on the truck. I'm good. Yeah. Right. Because today, and this is true with gasoline as well, right? Our energy values here are fairly cheap. Like what you pay for a liter of gas in Europe. Yeah, but that's because we're not actually doing the true cost. Well, <laughs> I mean, don't let the, the truth get in the way of a good story here. Yeah, I mean, there's so much subsidization in gasoline, it's bananas. But I guess that's the other piece of the equation, right? Is where where does that cost value hit and and can you do anything about it, right? So I think back to the refrigerator, right? So I, there, there was somebody I'm going to say this was about three years ago. They said, hey, you can buy this little module and you can plug it into your breaker box and it can determine what loads are running in your house at which time based on the size of the load and the frequency yeah. or yeah, whatever. Google bottom. <clears throat> really neat. Yeah. But it gets kind of back to that question like, well, so what? Mm-hmm. I'm never going to unplug my refrigerator. Correct. I like ice cream mm-hmm. and cold kombucha. Mm-hmm. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Can I turn my lights off? Sure. And in fact, I think I'm down to all LED lights except for the ones in the overhead in my bathroom. Correct. Um, So again, yeah, DC works for me. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But because we're converting, all those LEDs are running on DC, folks. Just uh, just yeah, for those playing at home that aren't uh, electrical wizards by default. That's why they weigh so much too, right? Is there's the heat sink inside of it, but also the AC to DC conversion happening right in every bulb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be a fun math but, exercise too, by the way. Oh, and I think it's been done. But, but it, what's it, the waste? Correct. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, So we're advocating right now for the automation of the choice and the engagement of a power source because... The cost of power, in my opinion, has recently become much more expensive in terms of I had to deliver a bunch of shit sandwiches this week because I, in my real job, sell a bunch of stuff from Germany. And Germany makes great stuff, but Germany's hitched its wagon to, to Russia 30 years ago to buy a bunch of natural gas, and the cost of natural gas just went up. And because Germans don't want to do anything with their electrical power usage and they've actually turned off electrical power plants that come from nuclear. They're, they're more <laughs> pot committed to natural gas than they probably should be. And sure as heck that made things more expensive. And, uh, that's not a dig on anybody that I work for. And that's not a dig on anybody's decision-making, but I think we could have made better decisions in the past. I think the French have got it figured out with their nuclear power strategy. And uh, until we get to a point where, you know, whatever it is, cold fusion, whatever you want to call it, if, if energy still costs something, which unfortunately, because we're spending money on killing people versus 
innovating in energy in the last 20 years, it's still going to cost something in 20 years. I don't think we're going to figure this out, unfortunately, in 20 years. And I like to call myself an optimist, but I just, there's too many other interests that seem to be impeding the way, you know, somebody would rather spend $45 billion on a, on a web Twitter company than actually innovate with electrical power. Yeah, that whole thing perplexes me. But I, so this, it's funny you mentioned this because this was actively in my tabs on my browser here because uh, I thought it was interesting. The other day I read an article, Samsung Heavy Industries to build a floating nuclear power plant. Great. So they're going to use the compact molten salt reactor technology and it looks like they put it on a giant barge and then they just go with it. Well, I mean... We've got how many nuke plants rolling around the, the seven seas right now, a, a.k.a. the Navy? <laughs> Submarines and carriers? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, hello. Right, like, right. Like, come on. Well, I mean, if you're going to spend 20, 20 years in, what what was Afghanistan, $4 trillion? And we all admit it was a it was a fiasco. Yeah. I mean, not to mention the, the lives that were lost and affected and the kids who's lost parents and all that, like, we should spend all that money and all those brain power, all that brain power of those people. They all still be alive and we'd have killer, we'd have power figured out. If we have power figured out, we're done fighting battles, man. Well, and here, here's a quote right out of this. Seaborg believes that in the future, electricity should rely less on centralized networks based on conventional power plants and more on renewable energies like solar and wind. So yeah, but solar and wind is it's played uh, out. It's not complete. No, no, no. Right. So then they say, hey, but these, but since these aren't always enough, nuclear should be used as a complementary, stable source of energy. Correct. It's and exactly the truth, where you're going. Correct. And the truth is, online wind, on land wind, leaves a lot to be desired. Sure. To put it kindly, uh, offshore wind. All right. Now we're talking. But on land wind. I mean, you got aesthetics, you got noise, which nobody's talking about, which is really scary. Don't live near them. It's, I hear it's terrible for your sleep. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Low uh, harmonics. Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, unless we, we, uh, we figure out a way to harvest uh, lightning down in Arizona, you know, which I think would be fun. Why aren't we pulling that off? It's not enough current, man. It's just not enough of it. Yeah, but there's uh, the seven-year-old informed me that every 60 seconds, I think the other day she said, there's a lightning strike. Really? Yeah. But it's like zero amps, a million volts, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's energy. Well, so are the wave generators too. But when you watch them pulse like every three seconds, you go... Neat, you can't even charge my phone with that, right? Like, the wave generators in the ocean? Yeah. Oh, they got that figured out. Do they? Yeah. Then why aren't we using more of that? That's happening right now. Okay. Scotland figured it out. All right. All right. Yeah, it's coming. They're in, in the other side of wave generation, talk about automation and fun and recreation, surf parks. Oh, yeah. Those are They're so cool. Four or five surf parks in development right now. And they're primarily just the real estate model, right? That we've, you know, uh, saturated on the golf course game. Mm-hmm. Now they're doing it on surf parks. Is it all run by the Kelly Slater wave? He's, or well, whatever? he's got he's got four competitors. Oh, there's more than one person doing it, now. and there's more than one method. Oh, yeah. 
you could Google uh, Wave Park, Arizona, and you could find one. There's one I know of uh, a little bit more intimately maybe than I should, and basically they're they're hydraulically lifting and then smashing a large um, vessel into a, wa- a body of water to then yeah. generate a water a wave, right? Because that's what a wave is. It's a displacement of water, and then that water has to rise up, and then you calculate and put a break at a certain distance from that displacement point, and you create a wave. Surf Town. Surf Town. 20-acre surfing wave park. Tell me it's in some terrible place that's never had water before. Uh, well, it's in Arizona. Yep. So Thank you. <laughs> 2024, it's going to open, and it says there's a half-mile sandy beach that can give 3,000... Hold 3,000 people at any given time. Yep. This and then, is cool. And then they'll have concerts, and you can get a, a walkout condo and, uh, you know, have a quiver and, uh, you know, a tea time, if I may, for uh, when the waves are yours. Man. Now, I, I have to go out on a limb here and say this is definitely not energy efficient. No way, but... <laughs> <laughs> There's an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if, what if you deployed Walt Window inside of there and then you can be like, all right, you you pay this much to surf at one o'clock in the afternoon. And if you want the 3 a.m. spot, we got that covered too. And it's at a discount. Sure. Right? Sure. Or we got so much solar out here because we got 20, would you say 28 acres? Uh, 20. Okay. And we've got, we've got these solar covered, you know, uh, cabanas, right? Yeah. Right, and we've got the solar roofs on all the houses that we're selling along here yeah. that have the view of the 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 concert park that's attached to Surftown USA, mm-hmm. right? So then we we use that solar power to then lower the cost. Um, if you're an owner of a place, then you get twenty percent discount, and you can ride that you know that peak time at a at a lower rate. How about that? I remember working with a company. Speaking of uh, solar tarps and awnings, that was making that here in Minnesota. Um, there's a lot of roof technology here, isn't there? Maybe, but these guys, like it was two webs. They went into this black box and it came out as one web. And the guy's like, I can't tell you what happens in the box. I'm like, what's the web do? Well, it was the, the dielectrics, I assume. Right. So they they brought it and I'm like, I'm going to suspect you either press glue or stitch those things together. And he goes, was it pressurized? I don't know. It wasn't. It doesn't matter. Like, but I'm just trying to narrow down how they do it. Yeah, I, I have no idea, and I wouldn't even speculate. Did it smell? Mm, I don't remember. Good question. Out the end of it, though, came flexible solar fabric. So they could they have weaved it? Woven? What's the word there? Maybe. Help me out, verb. Wo- oh, we need woven. Sarah. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, but the idea was... And it dawned on me, they're like, we could put this on all your boat lifts and your docks. Duh. Right? As your charging mechanism. And uh, and in two two boat batteries that are no longer good enough for a boat, but they're good enough for making sure your lift works. And then not run electricity and lights out to you. Yeah. And if you've got enough, potentially you could use that to trickle charge your trolling motor overnight. Duh. Right. That's what I said. And they go. And your phone. You know, while you're Anything. having a day where you're just sitting on the dock. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, the other speaker. thing that they highlighted was like you could weave it and make your military backpacks or helmet fabric out of this to charge things like your heads up display or your GPS module. So 
Why don't we know the name of this place? Because I'm stupid and didn't write it down 15 years ago. But they're around still. I, I would hope so. Solar fabric guy. Yeah. Give me a call. That's technical. Um, hmm. But I thought, how cool is that, right? And now I saw Garmin launched a new watch that has less features that also has solar that will run indefinitely. What, what do we lose? We lose foot oscillation? What kind of features <laughs> do we lose? I, or GPS frequency. or I, I forget what the trade-off oh, was. Got it. But now this thing will run effectively forever. Wow. Like, how cool is that? That's great. So... Yeah. Power density. I mean, that's that's where um, that's where the dream is, right? I mean, power density. With power density, you get exoskeletons, right? You get Iron Man suits. So Kamau makes one. Yeah, but they're called the Mate. But it, but it's best if tethered, right? I think this one's primarily uh, like clutches and springs, maybe. Yeah, but my you, friends at Kamau are probably rolling over, going, "You idiot!" Yeah. That's what the internet's for. <laughs> I'm running frantically. But I mean, you. I mean, the, but the dream I have is magnetic snowboard bindings. Right. Okay, pl- play that one out. Let, let okay, me, uh, if I have power density in my boot, yeah, that allows me because we already have boot heaters that have little battery packs on the sides of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So now I can put a battery pack on each boot. Yeah, and then I. I've we've got we've got redundancy. We're good there. We're safe there. We've got power, but I'm magnetically attached to my board. I don't have dead spots in the flex of the board, and with a Bluetooth interface, I can turn them on and off, and I can now do kickflips when I when I drop off that uh that you know into that forty foot tabletop. I can kickflip my snowboard and then land on it. <sighs> It's just like the video game, man. It's just all. I'm, it's not a new idea. I'm just executing where the video game allows you to go right now. So I'm playing this out. It's our step-on bindings. Yeah, I get that. But we 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 go. But click without the without the mechanical clicks. attachment. Yeah, get it out of there. Without get out of the there. clips. Because then we have a full true bend of the of the board, right? Because yeah. the magnets can be in in in. Deployed in the board in the channel, effectively yeah, in the or channel, multiple channel, and along the foot with with like let's say four millimeters of wood between each, right? Sure, we can we can layer that in. That's that's not a new idea. Yeah. Burton's doing that. Capita's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Sure, with other materials, but we put in neocadmium magnets, and then we do the same thing on the sole, and we already do this in safety in automation right now, right? We have coded magnets, so we can match the magnet to the binding built into the board. Yeah. Now I am able to turn that on and off only if I have power density to click, click, right? And, and you could, you could do, you could open up the ability to like, if you're, if your feet are tired, right? You could could change the angle, change the angle on the fly while moving. Yeah. Like if you're traversing and you want to kick a little bit, you just click your left hand and it just, you you know I'm goofy, so my right foot's forward. So I want to I want to kick with my left foot. I just click with my left hand thumb button, click, and like my foot comes off. I kick, 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 and I'm so that's so when we got to uh, I I did get a chance to go to Copper, um, yes. which was cool. But to get to the top of the run we were shooting for, we went up, traversed up forever, mm-hmm. and then we had to traverse laterally and a little bit up. Yep. And my friend was on skis. Yep. So you could just so she had no problem skate. Yep. 
and here I am like debating am I walking this? Am I going to try to, and for those of you that aren't snowboarders, your leg is locked in perpendicular to the direction of travel. So if you want to kind of quasi push, it's like this half broken leg, limpy push thing. Correct. So your right foot, if you're goofy in that situation, you could have, with my magnetic idea, you could have turned your Disco, foot. Disco turn and in, skateboard up and the skateboard hill. skateboard up the hill. Golden. I'm in. Okay. Yes. yes. We, we've we come a long, long ways from the original topic, and I can hear Sarah from afar glaring at us. Yes. But, but it, this is cool. It is. I, and I mean, think about the total cost of ownership of said snowboard. Yeah. Like, now we have less less injury related to knees, right? Because you're not torquing that knee when you're making that traverse. Right. Which is then preloading it for a Even failure later. Even on the later. lift, man. Exactly, on the lift, everywhere. Dude, the whole works gets simpler. Correct. It's like having a split board without having a split board. Correct. I think it's a, I think it's a billion dollar R&D budget, though, to figure this out. I mean, it's. I got a couple grand. <laughs> How far is that going to get up? But if you're figuring out power density, like these are the applications, these are the unknown problems I think we solve. Yeah. I mean, that snowboard now is is a $3,000 device, right? Because it comes with bindings built into it. Yep. And and the control interface. Sure. Just like a booster board, right? Yeah. And the boots. Yeah. Yeah. But then that, that, then, and then to your point of the booster board idea, it changes that game too. Yeah. Because now, instead of just grip tape... You could lock in. I can lock in. Are you going to get made fun of like rollerbladers did? I don't think so. You know, what, what's also interesting about power density, I had a co-worker who was, and, and I affectionately call him Big Power. Yes. Because he's a power guy. Yeah. Which I know little about, even though apparently you and I are experts. Uh, Armchair. <laughs> right. Thanks, Dax. He had a pool, and... He had a pool guy, and his pump blew out, right? Yep. And so the original pump that came with it, I think, was a single-phase, across-the-line starter, bang, bang, on, sure. off. dumb. And it was a single-phase motor. Yep. Well, for a couple thousand bucks, you can get a three-phase motor. Yep. Not even. I'll, yeah. s- I'll get you a better deal. <laughs> well, th- this included the pump assembly, the, the whole works, sure. right? All in. Yeah. And it might have been cheaper. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. But he goes, one horse is three hundred dollars. Perfect. Okay. So I, I'm I'm way off. BFD five hundred bucks done. So that's what he did. Yeah. He took a you know single, single phase, phase to multi phase yeah BFD all day long. Yep. And he did it, and he's like, dude, it's ridiculously more efficient to run it in three phase than it was in single phase all day. That's what Tesla figured out. Golden. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. exponentially cheaper is the way he made it sound, mm-hmm. and I was like. Well, then why don't we always do that? Correct. So if you wanted to bring it back to, I mean, how big is the, the horse, the, uh, what's the horsepower rating on the, on the compressor in the, in the refrigerator in, our, in your house right now? I'm guessing it's a half. Maybe. Right? Maybe. Right? So uh, is that, is that compressor with an integrated VFD inside of it? Cause that's how they're built now. Are you aware of this? No. Yeah. So the, the motor is on top of the compressor. Okay. The compressor is a pump. That's in the middle. Yep. And that's generally it's a screw compressor. And so the screw is too intertwined, uh, to put it kindly, there's a better term for that, um, surfaces. It is slowly moving refrigerant through from the outside to the in. And it compresses that refrigerant to help with the energy transfer from hot to cold, right? So it takes the heat out of the inside of the refrigerator and goes, takes that heat out, 
So now it gets colder and it has to exhaust that heat out the back. Okay. Right? Yep. So that motor driving that compression, those that oscillating set of scrolls, yeah, that is that right there. Correct. I found a fake picture that's of That's a it. screw. I'll link it. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's happening, and that's being driven by, ideally, an AC motor. Yeah. And to your point with your buddy, they're, they're, what they're trying to do is just get it smaller and smaller and smaller and more and more efficient. And that has, it has to do with if with uh, you know the insulation rating of the box, right? That contributes to it, too. Sure. Right? But, yeah, that's the game. AC motors. AC motors. There are municipalities and countries in this world that require a variable frequency drive or solid state starter um, at five horsepower and greater or seven and a half horsepower and greater. And that's been going on for years. It's just going to come down as our supply chain is allows it to. Well, and I think when we say AC motors, we should also say AC motors driven by DC rectified yeah, it's back to that whole variable frequency drive piece. Right. AC right. in, convert to DC, and then simulate AC back out in a square wave. Which gives you so much nicer characteristics, right? Like when you... But it generates noise. <clears throat> Electrical. Mm-hmm. Undoubtable, I suppose. Yeah, a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's better than the... in the giant shake when you... Yeah, in your cross line. Yeah, you're in your lights blinking. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right when your air conditioner kicks in. Yeah, which is dumb. (sighs) Just dumb. I mean, we pay for that Excel box on the side of our house that allows them to shut off our air conditioners. Right. In certain gnarly times. Yeah. How much more would have been if they would have just moved to solid state starters there? Why don't don't we do that? How hard is that? 30 amp VFD. How hard is that on the mechanics, right? That's the part that blows my mind. Oh, like, it's, it's immense. You're abusing yeah. Yeah. these bearings and pulleys. And yeah. Like, why did you it's wear really your belt bearing, out? It's just bearing, right? So you got that motor into that bearing. In that instance, but I think about all the other things that are just across the line motors, and you go, yeah, holy bejesus. That's what they, right? Yeah, they direct drive that fan at the top of your little condenser unit. Yeah. 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 They yeah. direct drive most fans. But on the bigger stuff, it is belts. It is pulleys. Yeah. All right, day. Right. So... We're going to revisit a lot of this topic that was tied to the original where we started on the cost of making stuff because um, we've definitely spiraled. Oh, I've got, I've got more stories the about ditch. the cost of making stuff. The, no, I know. The unintended consequences of making stuff. You, you learn how detailed your thought process is really quickly. Right. And you, one of the costs that we haven't touched on really is the margin that you bake into things. And that yeah. margin is both in cost and material and... Factors of safety, right? Allowances right. for error and in processes and partnerships, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we've hit our hour mark. That was fun. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna save the rest of that topic. We'll come back to it. But uh, yeah, it was good, man. Missy Sarah, and that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. Enjoyed your time with us. Please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.